0: I'm pretty excited about this series, I have to tell you. Um, when Mike first started talking about it, it just, it just settled in me that this is, a, this is a great message for our church at this time. And uh, I was teasing with the guys back here earlier. One time I got up to uh, do, do a message, and that particular day I was really kind of burdened. And uh, so when I got up, we were doing a graduation ceremony for a lot of the guys who had gone through a, a program there at the church. And I got up and I said, I'm really excited today (laughs) and of course naturally people laughed because I didn't look excited I looked scared to death and uh, they were right but uh, we had a good time with that afterwards Um, people would come up to me all the time and say Larry are you excited because we can't tell and but today I am excited about this series and I hope afterwards you all will be as well just two quick announcements Um, we still need some candy for the Halloween giveaway that we do from the church. We'll kind of have some games and things on uh, i think it's saturday night october 30th and the church will give away candy to those that are trick-or-treating downtown and then the day after that october 31st right after second service we're going to have kind of a fall festival for the church over at the new building so we'll have some food there and uh, there's there's more information coming but i encourage you to make plans to attend that we're going to have a good time And for any of you that have not got a chance to see the new building or participate in an event there, it's just really a a great facility. And we're still very grateful for those that helped bring that place together. I mean, if I, if I told you all the work that went into that, it, it wasn't like we just hired a contractor and let them have it at all. We had a lot of people here in the church that just did an amazing amount of work and they don't get enough credit for what they've done, but we know and we're grateful. So anyway, again, like Austin said, We're going to be going uh, and talking about the story that's kind of known as the prodigal son. And uh, if you want to open your Bibles to Luke 15, you're welcome to. That's where most of my scriptures will come from today. So um, I want to set the stage first um, by telling you who Jesus was talking to. It's important when when you're talking about a scripture, you know who is being addressed and why. And this scripture, as much as any... That's really important before we just dive right into Scripture. But um, first, I want to tell you a joke. Have you heard the one about a tax collector, a sinner, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, and Jesus walking into a bar? Anybody heard that joke? Well, it may not have been a bar, but this really happened. These people all came together. It starts in Luke 15, verse 1. These people all came together. And the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were criticizing Jesus. And why were they criticizing Jesus? Anybody know? Austin knows. He must have read this. <laughs> Tell us, Austin. I'll repeat. Uh, was, yeah. They were criticizing Jesus for welcoming sinners and tax collectors, the people that were, like, hands off, don't have anything to do with them. So to them, that was just proof that he couldn't have been the Messiah because he was spending time with these sinners. But Jesus had an answer to them, and he told told a parable. But first I want to read this, um, the scripture in Luke 15, verse 1 through 3, just so we set the stage, it'll be important later. In uh, starting in verse 1, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him to listen to him, talking about Jesus. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable saying. And I'm going to stop right there because actually Jesus proceeded to tell three parables to them, three stories. If you don't know what a parable is, it's a story that kind of has a corresponding truth to it. And he told three parables to the the Pharisees and teachers of the law. So apparently this was important to him. He didn't just say, you don't know what you're talking about, I know what I'm doing. He specifically wanted them to understand. And I think he does this morning as well. He wants you all to understand why he was doing this. So the first parable, a man lost, Jesus tells about a man who lost a sheep. He left the 99 and he went after that one sheep and he found it. And then he called his friends and neighbors and he said, rejoice with me. Why did he say that? Because he found what was lost. In the second parable, he talks about, a lady, a woman, who lost, she had 10 coins and she lost one. And she tore her house apart. Have you ever done that, looking for something? I had both season coming up here, and I had lost my arrow case. <laughs> That's a lot of money, and arrows and tips, and I lost the entire case, you know. How do you lose that? I tore my basement apart, and I, I did eventually find it, and I know you're all excited about that. <laughs> but this lady also found her coin, and she called her friends and neighbors and said, Rejoice with me. And now that leads us to the third parable, the one that we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks. And again, this is commonly known as the prodigal son. And I was kind of curious, you know, you kind of had this nagging thought that I know what prodigal means, but to be honest, how many people use the word prodigal in daily talk? Anybody? (laughs) So I looked it up just to to clarify that I really knew what I was thinking and talking about. And uh, Webster defined prodigal as... Uh, character, characterized by profuse or wasteful expenditure. And so that was how the son was known, because he was a waster. So anyway, let's move on to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And the, the, that whole parable goes from 11 through 32, but we're only going to go through verse 24 today. And this is a, this is a long scripture, but we have to read the whole thing to set the stage for what I'm about to say. So bear with me, you can read it on the screen, hopefully, and I will read it here, and just kind of listen to it, pretend that you've never heard the scripture before, and just look for details, look for the things that say, if you had never heard the story before, who's being addressed, remember Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's trying to explain why he's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. So that's the background again. To illustrate the point further... Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I like that translation. That's the new NLT. Um, In several of the other translations, it talks about a celebration. But, I mean, we don't call what we do a celebration. Say, hey, come over. I'm having a party. And that's what his dad did. He threw a party for him. There's a ton of symbolism in these parables, and especially in this one. I could talk the whole three weeks just on these first part of these scriptures. And there's so many hidden meanings, and there's some pretty obvious ones too. I mean, it it, it was pretty obvious that the son or the father ignored what the son had to say about himself. Instead, he helped him regain his position. He, He cleaned him up. He put shoes on his feet. You know, slaves in that time, they didn't have shoes. Servants didn't have shoes. Only the wealthy had shoes. He put shoes on his feet. He put a ring to signify... That he was part of the family the finest robe the fattened calf you know they say the fattened calf we don't think about it i don't know how many people have cattle here but you usually only had one calf that you fattened up for specifically for a feast to come he he gave that party and and that one fattened calf for his son and remember what his son had done he had taken his inheritance early which basically is saying i want my money more than I want a relationship with my father. He took his inheritance early, and he left, and he just blew it all. And yet, this father accepted him, welcomed him back. Notice that the three parables all have something in common, and this will be more important later. But there was three three things in common in Jesus' three parables about this. All the main characters lost something. All the main characters ultimately found what was lost, And all of the main characters held a celebration. Before we get into that too much, I want to just back up. I really think that the who, the main characters, are very important in this parable. So who do we have? Who are the main characters? We have the three that Austin mentioned. We have the younger son, the older son, and the father. But who would you say, in the first parable, the man lost the one sheep. Was the sheep the main character of that parable, of that story? No, the, the shepherd was, the one who lost the sheep. In the second one, was the coin the main character in the story that was lost? No, the main character was the woman who lost it. And she dropped everything to find her lost coin. So in the third one, a lot of times we're tempted to make the prodigal son the main character. And there are some elements of truth to that. But really, who was the main character in the story? The father. How he responded when the son wanted his inheritance early was above anything that I could do. I would have been torn up. You're saying that you want the money in the bank over a relationship with me. You just want to go off, not be part of the family anymore. But the father didn't do that. He was a good father. The son, the younger son, created a lot of the drama, and (laughs) at bad timing, obviously, he spent all his money, and then a famine came. I know I've I've experienced things similar, where just when you think you're finally getting your feet under you financially, something will happen, and and something that you don't expect happens, and and boy, then you get prayed up in a hurry. (laughs) It's like, I thought I had this, now, God, I need your help. But the main character, the father in this story, is, it's important to understand some truths about him. He never gave up on his son. He didn't withhold the younger son's inheritance, even though he knew that wasn't what was best. He gave it to him. I did a little bit of research, and the younger son, if there's two sons in a, in a family like this, the younger son is entitled to part of the inheritance. It's not like he doesn't get anything, but he gets one-third the older son, gets two-thirds of the inheritance. So basically, he left a wealthy landowner. Jesus said he was wealthy. He left with a pretty good sum of money, and he blew it all away. The father did not hold it against him. When When he returned, the younger son returned, what was the father doing? He was looking for him. He saw him afar off. And when he came back, The father didn't say, I told you, so I knew you wouldn't be able to live on your own. I knew you were too young, too irresponsible. No, he welcomed him warmly. He ran to him. He gave him back his position as a son. He gave him back his self-respect. He dressed him. He put a robe on him, a ring, sandals, all signs of worth and value in the family. Let's look at verse 20 in Luke 15. So he, the young son, returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Um, I want to tell you just a little bit about myself. I don't want to be the, the main character in this story. The father's the main character in this story. But when I was young... I I grew up outside of the church, not in a Christian home, very dysfunctional family. And so at 16, I left home. I said, I've had enough of this. And I stayed just one step ahead of the law for a while. Obviously, I didn't have any income, so I took my income from whoever didn't tie things down, ran around for a couple of years all over the country, and uh, I was with my friend. We were on our way to Colorado. We stole a couple of bikes we were going to ride from Ohio to Colorado, and uh, my friend up in, I, I know I've told this part of the story before, my friend up and joined the National Guard. He just was tired of living on the run, and uh, whew, there I was, stranded in Ohio, the last place I wanted to be. We got a saying, if you're from Ohio, the only smart people from Ohio are the ones who don't live there anymore. It's a, it's a rough place. To grow up, I'll tell you. Um, Definitely a blue-collar state. And uh, if if you wanted uh, the good things in life, it wasn't necessarily a place to be. So there I was, stuck in Ohio, hanging around. While I had been gone, my mother had gotten saved, and my sister, and then some of my friends. And, you know, I didn't have any money or any place to stay, so I was kind of hanging around them And lo and behold, I got saved. So when I got born again, when I got saved and gave my life to the Lord, what happened to me right then? What changed in my life? I became a child of God, become a son of God. That's what happens to you. We'll read some more about that here in a minute. But even though I had that relationship that I had never had with God, being a Gentile... (laughs) Raised out of the church. Had no idea who Jesus was until I was 19. Other than he was the little baby in the manger at Christmas. It was cute. I liked the little drummer boy. But I didn't know anything about God. So after um, a good long while, and we, me, and I got married and my wife and I had moved to Arizona. We, uh, we started attending a church out there and, and got closer and closer with the Lord. My children were born out there and for a time things were really good then my dad I'll just confess my dad was a workaholic he worked all day at the tool and die shop and then he came home and worked until about 11 o'clock he always tried to get in in time to see the Johnny Carson it was important to him the Johnny Carson show so he'd come in and sit in the recliner start the show and fall asleep in the recliner and at the time growing up I thought that was a terrible way to be but When I became an adult, who did I emulate? My father. It's the only thing I knew. So I threw myself into my work. I had a 9-to-5 job, and then I, well, 8-to-5, and then I did a lot of freelance work on the side. I did IT work, and I did design work on the side. So I know it wasn't, uh, I didn't have greasy fingers. I actually had soft, smooth hands from the keyboard. (laughs) But I was emulating my father. Interestingly enough, One of the things that I disliked most about my father is that he cheated on my mom a lot. And what did I do? I got sick of my wife and I divorced her. So here's the guy who had been an assistant pastor in a church, had been a church planner, had been married for over 20 years, two children, and I'd had enough. I just felt like it was time for me. Larry should have something. Larry should have satisfaction. I deserved it. All the times that I had put what I wanted aside. I convinced myself that I deserved to take what I wanted. I turned away from everything. And through the grace of God, you know, my son came up from Boone last night and spent the day with me for no other reason, just he wanted to hang out. It's the grace of God that I have a relationship with my kids. And I appreciate that, that they were more forgiving and understanding. And I pray that my children aren't like I was, who had copied his father. But I went through some hard times. And in the middle of that hard time, being away from the church I thought was what I wanted, and I had everything. I had a great job. It's it's obscene how much money I was making, how much travel I was getting to do, see the world, getting those business trips paid for. I got more and more lonely, more and more depressed. I even had a fiancé. And felt disconnected from her. I couldn't connect with people. You know why? Because I had left home. It wasn't... I, I never stopped believing in God. Loving Jesus. I just chose to ignore him. This was Larry time. This was me time. And, you know, when
1: I look back on that, it's a little bit embarrassing but I'm not the first to do it you know fortunately I had a chance encounter my daughter was her best
0: friend was a genius and she's pretty much a genius and they ended up in the state finals of the science fair in in our area in our region down in North Carolina and I went to support her and ran into um, a guy named Tommy Andrews anybody know Tommy Andrews here used to come here passed away recently But his daughter and her husband still go here in the second service. I ran into Tommy, and after our daughters had made their presentation, we all went out to eat. And Tommy didn't look at me like I was a big shot. You know, he didn't care about those kind of things. He had been a millionaire several times, lost it, and gained it back. So when he saw me, he just saw a guy that was lonely and needed help. And Tommy kind of pulled me by my ear back into church and back in the relationship. It was, uh, he was a man of God, that's all I want to say. I get too emotional talking about Tommy. But back to our story, I want to ask you, it's true about my story, and true about the prodigal son. Who left? Who left the father? It's an obvious question, but who, who was it? Let's just set the ground. We're talking about who here. It was the son, right? The younger son. The older son, which We'll talk about next week.
1: He stayed. There's a whole backstory there. But the younger son left.
0: Even though he was still entitled to a portion of the father's state and the prestige and everything, he left. When he came back, he said, I am not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant.
1: But the father, what did he say? Let's celebrate. My son was lost, but now he is found. He was dead and has returned to life. I believe that's what happened to me. Now, again, remember the start of my story. After I had been
0: saved for years, two decades, is when I fell away. I was the son of God who took off, who fell away this man this who was a son he was entitled to the inheritance but not yet what was what was now was his relationship with his father and that's what he rejected just like me I wanted everything that was owed me for all the good I'd ever done I didn't want I didn't want to get what I deserved as far as the bad I'd done who wants that? You don't want what we don't want what we, we what we deserve. We just want the good things. A few weeks back we studied Galatians chapter 5. And one of the things we learned was that the acts of the flesh are obvious. In the NLT translation, I'm going to read it, Galatians 5 19 through 21. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And remember, we talked about this. See if you can relate to any of the sin in this list. Don't beat yourself up over it, because Jesus has already paid the price. But just look and see if any of this looks familiar. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger selfish ambition dissension division envy drunkenness wild parties and other sins like these let me tell you again as i have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit
1: the kingdom of god now that sounds like the sun doesn't it a lot of the stuff in that list is what the sun did sounds a lot like what i did on a more personal level, I want to ask you again. Who has left the father? The son left the
0: father in the story. I left the father. First, I left my earthly father. Then when I got born again, eventually I got around and I left my heavenly father. I didn't deny him or reject him. I just ignored him. I did my own thing. Had my good time. Me time, as I called it. There's another scripture from a few weeks ago that I want to bring your attention to. This is the kind of life we're supposed to live. Deuteronomy 11.22, show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. Now, that's a lot different than what the prodigal son did. That's a lot different than what I did. King David said it this way in Psalm 63. He's talking to God. He says, I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. When I think of the strong right hand of God, who comes to mind? My best friend, Jesus. He's the one that holds me securely. He's the one that holds you. You know, I used to think when I got to heaven, what I wanted to hear most, I wanted it to be said of me, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's a story um, in the Bible from Matthew 25. And being a workaholic, being a people pleaser that I was, I strove for that. I heard that and I said, that, that's what I want for me. I want God to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I, I poured myself into works and I poured myself into doing things for the church. But it never seemed to, to feel like I was measuring up. And my uh, my motivation was not godly. My motivation was because I wanted to hear those words. I wanted I wanted to prove to God that I was worthy to be His son. The older I get, hopefully a little bit wiser, I realize that as cool as that would be for that to be said of me, it's a little bit too reliant on my own works, on my own deeds. And those works and deeds, they didn't, they didn't sustain me when I started to feel like it was Larry time. They had no power over me. They were just things that I had done. It was, it was amazingly how easy the pandemic has done this to a lot of people. It was amazing how easy it is to just step away from all your responsibilities, all your outreach, all things you might have been doing to help people. Because you, we did it in the name of safety. You know, it was, it was to be a good citizen. Don't get close to people. Don't reach out. Don't touch them. Don't love them. And I think we've fallen into kind of a pattern of that now. Slowly but surely, it's kind of like the, If you, you know, I used to raise ducks. When you see that egg start to crack, you know that the life is coming, and it gets exciting. And I'm starting to see that. <laughs> but it was worrisome for a while. It felt like we had just all, just all retreated
1: inside of ourselves. And I promise you, that's not where God wants us.
0: There's a powerful scripture on our position, our relationship with the Father. I want to read from Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. Now, this is true about all of y'all, as much as it is me if you know the lord is your savior so you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves instead you received god's spirit when he adopted you as his own children now we call him abba father abba being translated kind of like daddy daddy father that's intimacy for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are god's children and since we are his children We are his heirs. So let me see a show of hands, wake y'all up a little bit. How many people here know they're a child of God? If you're not sure, read that again. And if you can read that and still say, I'm not sure, talk to me later. We'll have a few words. It'll be good. That sounded bad, but it'll be good. Some of you might be thinking that, like me, you're too far gone. You strayed too far. God, the Father, won't want you back, even if you were to turn around, repent, and come back towards him. Paul has something to say about that, though. This is, I, I think this must be one of Mike Morris's favorite verses because I've heard him read this so many times to us. But I'm going to read it again. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I ask again, do you think you're too far gone that God won't want you back? That's, not, that's just, There's no truth to that. The devil wants you to think that even your own conscience wants you to think that your conscience will drive you to want to pay for the things you have done wrong. Just like I wanted to pay for my sin. Remember my story in the midst of my story and my falling away. And Tommy's saying, you need to get back into church. You need to hang out with me. I got some men. I want you to meet in the midst of all that. One day I'm driving down the road on the way to church and I'm just like, I shouldn't be going there. I, I have no business going to church. My sin, God, you just don't even know, which is hilarious. That He had no idea how bad I'd been. You know, I just felt like God didn't understand. You know, I could think, of, I could look at the list of the Ten Commandments and think I've done just about everything on that list. You know, I'm not sure what the breaking point is. You know. I'm back in college right now, and you pretty much got to get an 80 or higher. So that means you get two strikes, three strikes, you're out. <laughs> three out of
1: 10. So I was 10 strikes, I'm out. And I was, I would
0: highly advise this, by the way. I was talking just as honestly as I could with God, and I said, you know. I don't want to be disrespectful, but I just, I'm not feeling it. I just don't know that I can get back into church. Maybe they'll ask me to do something. You know, they're always asking you to do something. In church, we're always asking you to do something. And I don't apologize for that because we have a mission. We're not here to just get together on Sunday mornings and then go out feeling good about ourselves. We have been planted in Galax, Virginia with a mission to reach the lost, to reach the hurt, to reach the broken. And even the person who sweeps the cobwebs off of the cameras is incredibly important to God because he wants to keep us safe. There's a, a reason and a rhyme to everything we do, and we're constantly, as elders and as the leadership of this church, evaluating what we do. To, if we need to, we are going to change it. We want to make sure that we're on mission that we're aimed at the target and the target is lost souls the target is lost people lost children lost sons of god so right in the middle of all that and that'll lead us to our next slide god said to me do not be arrogant in your doubt and unbelief your sin is not greater will never be greater than my son's life and sacrifice i put god the father there i don't want to blaspheme But I heard this as loud as I've heard a train go by. Not audibly, but in my heart, in my spirit. I heard this phrase, this sentence. And I started, but, but. And then I realized there was nothing left I could say. He was right. The sacrifice of his innocent son for us, for me, for the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world, for the, the most evil people that we could imagine was still enough. No, everything has a cost, and we don't always know the cost, but we know that God's looking for us. He's looking afar off, and he wants us to come back to him. And that day, shut me up. God shut me up with this about my sin and my past. I remember when I became an elder here, somebody had nominated me. And one of the fellow came up, talked to me about it, he said, will you be interested in this? And I was just like, have you lost your mind? Is, it, is, the, is the barrel so empty that you would even suggest to me? You know my past. I've never hidden it. And he's just like,
1: "Well, Larry, everybody here has passed. And he was right. I want to make up my last point here.
0: And then when the worship team is going to come back up. The worship team of two, worship duo, we'll call them the worship duo. The last point is you cannot out God's forgiveness towards us through Christ Jesus. You just can't do it. Like he said to me, it's so true. You can't. You might think you can. You might be full of pride and say, I'm the worst sinner ever. That's what Paul said. And God said, it don't matter. This is my son. And he paid the price for it. So as I said, I realized that wanting to hear that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant, there was a little bit of self-serving. You know, I wanted to feel good about myself. And as I get older, I realize what I really long for is this day the day when my father sees me he's filled with love and compassion he runs to me he embraces me kisses me and says rejoice with me let's celebrate i hope that that's what you all want to hear cuz there's nothing better it doesn't matter how far you've gone whether you're eating with the pigs partying you're wild you saw the list or maybe you're just secretly hate, hateful, envious, selfish, full of selfish ambition. You want some me time. Whatever it is, it's not too far. The Father's looking for you from afar off. And again, the reason that I put so much emphasis on the who here is because he was looking for a, his son, his lost son. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a, children of God, a child of God. He's still looking for you to come back, to always turn back, turn away from your sin and come back to him. He'll give you your inheritance. He'll set your feet upon a rock, and he's there for us. Who can't not want that? I know it's tough. I've made some mistakes, and it it was tough sometimes to kind of backpedal from that and say, you know, I was wrong. I should have never done that. But, you know, in our life, (laughs) the truth is we're all human and we do that all the time. So with God, let's recognize that as bad as we may have become, we're a child of God and he wants us to come home. We're going to pray. We're going to have what we call our response time. You can stand and sing with us. You can sit in, in your seat quietly and pray. You can go over to the cross and fill out your prayer request or just pray over there. You can give. A lot of times that's an act of worship where you're just saying, God, you know, I've been holding my finances too much. I've been clenching and holding on to them. I need to just, I need help. I need to learn to be generous, to be a giver. You give to us. Like I said, we're we're on a mission. We we don't care about building a bigger church. We want to meet the needs of the community. So, this is yours. It wasn't mine, I know. I'm not playing the guitar today. You'll have to wait for another day for that. Anyway, Luke's going to pray and I just want you all if you feel like maybe you've just maybe you've just gone down the road a little bit from the father or maybe you feel like you're in another country and you need to come back, turn to him and he's right there. He's, he wants to celebrate with you. All right? Let's pray.
2: Father, I'm so touched by the stories of your redemption, God, and uh, just to know that you sent us a Savior that is in the business of redemption, redeeming us when we walk away. God, you're so faithful to us, and there's no answer to why that is. But we're so humbled and we're so thankful that no matter how far we stray from you, you're always there. Jesus, you preached that we should repent and just turn to you. God, because you know the things of this world, they're just going to run out. The pleasures of this world, the enjoyment of this world, God, they are just going to leave us thirsty. And you are the fountain that we can come and drink from and never thirst again, Jesus. So, We corporately, together, we repent from the hell that we daily choose, God, and we turn to you, Jesus. Amen.